0: All right, grab your Bibles, go to uh, Psalm 103. Psalm 103 is where we're going to be in the text this morning. Um, Great passage of Scripture. One of the most amazing and spectacular events to ever take place in the universe is that the triune God of the universe would see fit to redeem and reconcile human beings back to himself. That, that is one of the most amazing and spectacular and glorious things that you and I will ever see. Like there's, there's nothing else that can compare to this idea that the triune God of the universe would see fit to come and redeem wicked human beings and reconcile them back to himself. That Christ was willing to condescend to the level of a human being and walk amongst us and know everything that we go through. And know every pain that we've experienced. Uh, uh, Experience all the things that you and I have experienced. Pain, sadness, hurt. Trials, adversity, joy, laughter, happiness. That God knew all of these things. And in every way kept the law perfectly. In order that he could become our advocate before the Father. So that we would have justification before a holy and righteous God. That we would have this advocate before the, the, the Almighty God that Christ was willing to come and take our place, that he was willing to come and take the full punishment of sin, and not just sin of the world, but my personal sin, that the Lord Jesus Christ was willing to come and to take my sin on his lovely head in order that we, that I, would be able to experience His favor, His mercy, and His grace is absolutely overwhelming. Amen? Anybody else in the room? Okay, just a couple of us here, but man, the psalmist, David writes in Psalm 103 with a grateful tone with this idea in in place. David writes in such a way that he is Overwhelmed with how good God is to him. He starts out in Psalms 103 and he writes this. He says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. And then he repeats again, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all iniquities, who who heals all your diseases who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Man, what what an amazing first five verses. David begins with a statement of praise. A statement that stirs up the imagery of gratefulness. Spurgeon once said, Praise is the honey of life, which a devout heart extracts from every bloom of providence and grace. When a believer enters God's presence with an attitude of praise, it lifts our spirits from The the pit of despair and moves us into a place of gratefulness. That's one of the reasons we start our services singing these songs of praise to our great God. To move us from a position of, to a position of, thank you God for all you've done. Thank you God that you have done the things that you've done. Psalms 100 verse 4 tells us to enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with Praise, give thanks to him and bless his name. This should be the common expression for those who are in Christ. It should not be a rare thing to see those who come and gather in a corporate gathering, to sing out loud in a way that is just you're excited. You say, Well, Caleb, I can't sing, I I I don't have the greatest pitch. The scripture says that it has to be it's a joyful noise. That's okay. You say, well, Caleb, it sounds like noise. and That's uh, that's all right. You're not singing to me. You're not singing for your neighbor. You know who you're singing for? You're singing for the God of the universe. You have an audience of one. The audience is that you are singing to and praising the Lord Jesus Christ. He continues there in verse 2. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. What benefits? Okay, let's see, Caleb, what benefits are you talking about? Earthly and eternal benefits. These are gifts that are granted to us by God Almighty. The, the benefit of forgiveness of sins. That God grants us the ability to be forgiven is an incredible benefit. That He allows us to get access to forgiveness. That that benefit is laid out in front of us. That we are given the ability to be forgiven. Like, listen, you and I should not be given the ability to be forgiven. Because, listen, what do we deserve? What do we deserve according to the Bible? The wages of sin is what? Death. That's what we deserve, but the God saw fit. Once again, I go back to what I, my opening idea. The, the idea that God Almighty said, you know what? I'm gonna provide a way for you to be forgiven. I'm gonna provide a way for you to be set free, to be reconciled back to me. Like that is an unbelievable benefit. Woo! Being able to, to like listen, the God's created our bodies in such a way that we're able to get over being sick. Like that's that's a benefit. Like, listen, we live in a fractured and broken world and we're constantly getting sniffles. Guess what? God's created our bodies in such a way that we can get over these things. Man, that's, that's a benefit. That's a benefit. God delivers us. Listen, ultimately, God delivers us from death itself. Amen? Like, He delivers us from death itself. That we are no longer as Christ followers. We don't have to fear. Like, we don't say, oh my gosh, I'm terrified of death. We don't have to be afraid of death. Why? Because Christ conquered death. Christ overcame death. You don't have to be afraid of what is next. Now, I'm not saying that death isn't sometimes a scary thing and that the the pathway to get there is not always the best. I've, I've watched it. I've walked with people through those times and watched them as they walk through the gate. But I can tell you, as those that are in Christ, as I was in the room, and they walked through that gate, they were ecstatic over walking into that place. Because Christ was on the other side of that door. And because Christ was on the other side of that door, ready to receive them, they no longer had to fear death. They no longer have to fear death or hell. Hell has been conquered for those that are believers in Christ. That we have... Access to love, mercy, and grace, and forgiveness. Those are incredible benefits that, listen, those who are outside of Christ do not have. You do not have access to those things if you're outside of Christ. You you just don't. You're going, what you are ended up doing, you have maybe temporary mercy and temporary restraint. But what is ending up happening for those that are outside of Christ is that you are storing up for yourself a day of wrath. But those that are in Christ are storing up a day of unimaginable grace and mercy. That's going to, according to Ephesians, is going to be lavished upon His children. These are all benefits and things that we get to experience because of His goodness towards us. Amen. Like that's that's a glorious thing. So, therefore, we bless the lord in all that we do bless the lord o oh my soul and forget not how good god is forget not his good benefits and then he keeps going verse 4 who forgives all iniquity Woo! who heals all your diseases now in this life cuz we'll start with we'll start, I'll start on the back end of this text Heals all their diseases. Now, there's, there's a group of people that are in the world of Christian thinking and Christian teaching that, listen, if you have enough faith, you'll never be sick. Well, we know that's hogwash. Because a lot of the guys in the book got sick. Right? Because here's the deal. You, once again, we, we live in a fallen world. Now, can God heal? Yes! Yes! Does he heal? Sometimes. Sometimes. And even if he doesn't, he's still good. Because ultimately, you're going to be healed. We prayed for my mother and my father, both God healed them, God healed them, God healed them. And guess what? He did. Eternally. There's no pain, there's no suffering, there's no. A discomfort for either one of them right now. Why? Because they trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ. We prayed for healing and God said, okay, done. I'm bringing them home. I'm bringing them home. Now, th- this is the idea. In, in context, in context, because you've been forgiven of all of your iniquities and all of your sinfulness, ultimately your body will be completely and fully redeemed and healed of all diseases. And you'll live eternally in God's presence. This is also a declaration of God, a declaration or a testimony of what God can do and that He is the one who does it alone. Listen, it's not the doctors who bring healing. Ultimately, it's God who heals, it is God who resurrects, it's God who fixes. Amen. Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 39 says, See now that I, even I am he, and there is no God beside me. Mormons, are you listening? There's no other gods besides him. You don't get to become a God one day. That's just one verse that says that. And there is no God besides me. I kill and I make alive. I wound and I heal, and there is none that can deliver out of my hand. He alone, God Almighty alone, is the one who is the only God, and He is the one who brings everlasting life, and He's the one who brings everlasting punishment. It's only Him. This is who the Lord is. He can bring forgiveness for all of your sins, and we also see in verse 4 that He is the one who redeems our lives. He he forgives all of your iniquities. Not just, listen, when God forgives, he forgives completely. It is not just that he's not nitpicking. He's not going, oh, I'm going to forgive you for that one, but I'm not going to forgive you for that one. When you repent of your sins, God forgives you of all of it. When you, you come before the Lord in a humble stance and you say, Lord Jesus, I am so sorry for my sins, God. I know that I have broken your law. I know that I've broken your commands. God, please forgive me of my sins and cleanse me from my unrighteousness. God, I want you to be the Savior of my life. Please rule and reign in my heart, God. Forgive me. I, for, I ask for forgiveness of sin, my sins. God, according to the text... If you confess your sins, God is faithful and just to forgive you and to forgive you for all of your iniquities. Past, present, and future. You say, wait a second, Caleb. God forgave me the stuff I haven't even done yet. Yeah, he did. How does that work, Caleb? Well, think about this. When Christ died on the cross, how many of your sins were future sins? All of them. All of them were future sins when Christ died on the cross. So God's power, God's atoning work on the cross was strong enough and mighty enough and glorious enough to forgive you of everything you've ever done or will do. Now, what some will say is, well, Caleb, doesn't that leave the license? If, if, if that's just how, if I can get forgiveness for everything, I can go do whatever I want. That's not how, the. just like Han Solo said in the last, that's not how the force works. And he's, oh, i got a couple of Star Wars fans. Come on. All right. I've got, oh, got one guy in the room. Come on. We've got to work on you guys. That's not how Christianity works. You don't, you don't get saved and then go do whatever you want. God redeems you and forgives you of your iniquities and then what do you, you're pursuing him. Your desires change from the wanting to chase after the world to I want to chase after Him and I want to pursue God. Now, does that mean you're perfect? No. How many of you in the room sin this week? Go ahead and raise your hands because I don't want to be alone because I did. Anybody else? Okay. None of us in the room are perfect yet. Now there's going to come a day when Christ will make us all perfect. And that's not on this side of the grave. There's coming a day you will be perfect. But he forgave you for all of it. Every last bit of it. He alone forgives. He redeems us. And we see in verse 4 that he redeems our lives from the pit. And not only just redeems, but he crowns you with a steadfast and everlasting love and mercy. Look at verse 4. Who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with a steadfast love and mercy. Like this is, not only does he redeem and pull you from the pit, but he crowns you. This imagery here, this is what God brings us who repent and trust in Him, what God brings to us, those who, re- tru- who repent and trust in Christ, is something that will never run out. He crowns you with these things. So the imagery is one of royalty. It's not just He saves you, but He sets you up and crowns you with this. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says, uh, further explains this idea of being crowned. But you... Are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So what did he do? You're a royal priesthood, you're royalty. You've been crowned by God himself. You've been forgiven of your sins, pulled out of the pit of despair and hell and everything else that comes along with that. And you've been crowned as kings and queens. Hmm. You're not just redeemed from hell. You're called and placed into the light of God's glory. And then you got verse 5. Love this. He, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like eagles. So in this redemption of your life, the Lord brings about an everlasting, genuine satisfaction. That will never lose its luster. That satisfaction, never lose it. You never lose the satisfaction of knowing the Lord Jesus Christ. I know. I don't know anybody who's loved the Lord for long, and long-term in their 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s who are like, golly, I just, I can't stand that God's been good to me. I just don't know anybody. Everybody that I know that gets older and older in the Lord, they're just like, it's just, just sweeter and sweeter and sweeter and sweeter. And it's just, more beautiful and more glorious. It never loses its luster. So, many in this life will attempt to find satisfaction in so many different things. In relationships, in vacations, in houses, in possessions. But if But if you notice, none of those things bring everlasting satisfaction. And somehow, in God's goodness, those who love and serve the Lord, in a general rule, just have the ability to continue to keep walking and keep moving. Those that are serving the Lord faithfully. Man, I think of, of Jerry Wells Sr. Brother is almost in his 90s. And he is still leading multiple Bible studies a week. Winning souls to the Lord globally. And he's almost in his 90s. And if you've met, if you talk to him, he doesn't look like he's, he's not just... He's not crippled down. Man, that brother is just, he's moving. Why? Because God has granted him the ability to, his, his strength is renewed like eagles. Wow, it's just, it just an everlasting, just continuously he keeps going. Now, I know that that's not always the case, but I've known so many people who have loved and served the Lord that just keep going. Like, I think about my own father. He was 73 when he died preached literally almost till the last day. Like he, he got done preaching, went home, sat down, got sick, went to the hospital and died. But, I mean, brother was in the pulpit. That was always, he's like, I want to die in the pulpit. 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 That was dad's mantra is I want to die in the pulpit. And he, he got pretty darn close. He got close, Right? But the Lord just keeps giving strength to those who need it. It reminds me of Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28 through 31. Have you not known, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not grow faint or weary. His understanding is unsearchable. It's Listen, it's God that does not grow weary or faint. So therefore, it's King Jesus in his might and sovereignty that allows us to do what we do. So these people that like, when I talk about these guys that are keep going, it's not because like, oh, I just, I take my vitamins. I'm not now, listen, I'm a vitamin pusher. I'm not against vitamins. But listen, there's coming a day those vitamins aren't going to work anymore. And guess what? God's going to take me home. I have an appointment with this thing called death. Doesn't matter how many Pilates I do. Doesn't know how many push-ups I do. It doesn't matter. If you're, Every one of us in this room have an appointment with this thing called death. Now, who is it that gives us the strength to keep going? Why do I have the energy I have? Because God Almighty gives me this strength. It's not just, oh, I just got good genes. No, I've got a trust in a sovereign king who allows me to do what I do. And people often say, well, how and why do you have so much energy, Caleb? You're like Tigger. Why do you like that? I, I don't know. God just put it in me. I have the ability to keep going. Sometimes my wife doesn't want that, but that's just, you know, look at her. It's not just the generic, it's not, it's just like, it's not a genetic makeup. I really do believe that God has a purpose for me to fulfill. And guess what? I believe that about you too. I believe God has you here for a purpose. And you're on, you're, you should be living your life on purpose. Amen? Verse 29 of Isaiah 40. He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall fall, faint and grow weary. And young men shall fall exhausted, but they who wait on the Lord shall have their strength renewed and mount up like wing, up with wings like eagles, and they shall run and not grow weary, and they shall walk and not faint. The crux of that passage is right there in verse 31. But they who wait for the Lord. In the midst of hard things in life, it's not always easy to wait for what God has for us. Amen? Anybody in the room? Is it easy sometimes to wait for what God has for us? No. Sometimes we, like, when do we want it? Yesterday. Not now. I want it done yesterday, Lord. And God's smart. Listen, can we all agree in the room? God's smarter than us. God's smarter than me and, and God's ways are not our ways and he knows exactly what we need when we need it and he also knows what we don't need amen oh if God had just blessed me with a couple million dollars that'd be so faithful really would you what if God blessed you with a few hundred dollars can you be faithful with that because if you ain't faithful with little, you ain't going to be faithful with much. There are certain things in this life that if we got those things, we would not make, it would not make us more faithful to the cause of Christ, but rather it would cause us to stray or cause us to chase our own desires. Man, people, God, if you just give me that boat. Oh, God, if I could just have that boat, it'd be so good. God, please give me that boat. What would that boat mean for your life? You'd spend your weekends at the lake. Not gathered with the saints in worship on the weekends. Your weekends would be spent at the lake pursuing the things that you want to pursue. And this is the argument. Well, I can worship God at the lake. Yeah, you can, but you're not going to. Let's be honest. Let's have real talk here. You're not really going to pursue God at the lake. You're going to be lazy and lay around and do what you want, when you want, how you want to do it. Period. God, like If you're involved in things that are regularly drawing you away from God and away from God's people, it's not a blessing from God. If you're you're pursuing things that draw you away from God's people and away from the worship of God, that is not a blessing from God. Christ will never bless you with something that causes you to stay away from the fellowship of believers on the Lord's day. The Lord will direct you towards things that cause you to rely on Him more. I mean look again at the text and its entirety. Everything is pointed back at the Lord as the one who gives you strength to be able to do the things you do in this life. Second Peter chapter one verse three says, His divine power has granted us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of Him who calls us to His own glory and excellencies. Like, this is the idea. Everything in the text points back to God being the one who gets the glory. And if you're asking God to provide you with things that draw you away from God, why in the world would God answer that prayer? Other than one of judgment. Don't, don't think that having material possessions is necessarily a blessing from God. That might be a curse. It might be judgment. Don't think, oh, I got a really nice house and a fat bank account. That could be judgment from God. How could that be judgment? Because you're no longer relying on God to take care of your needs. You're, you, oh, I got this, I got this thing handled. And you forsake the things of God. God has called you in this life He has called you into this life called the Christian life and is going to give you everything that you need in order to achieve what He wants you to achieve. And I'm telling you, we are longing for things that do not push us closer to God. We are longing for things that are pulling us further and further away from God. And what's what's the psalmist say? who satisfies you with good so that your youth was renewed like eagles. The the Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. And so he just continues this idea that God is the one who brings satisfaction. God is the one who redeems. God is the one who is to set these things up. And man, what we need to be doing is we need to be doing as Isaiah chapter 40 says here, you want to be renewed? Renewed? You want to be renewed in the Lord? Wait for the Lord. Wait for the Lord. And I, I know that in the midst of hard things in this life, it's not always easy to wait. But God's timing is not your timing. And God's timing, he is, it not, may not be a no, it just might be a delayed yes. But it might be a no too. But we don't know that. Just continue to do what God's called you to do. Be faithful in the places where you are. And if God wants you to do certain things, listen, it will be abundantly clear that you're supposed to go do these things and be a part of what God's called you to be a part of. Period. That's the truth. And, And so, what's our calling as believers? Is in this life, we should be doing everything that we can do everything that we can do in this life to bring glory to Christ Jesus alone. So I'll echo David in the beginning of this. He says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. This is the idea. Everything that's in me, every fiber of my being, every part of my ethos, I want to bless the name of the Lord. I want to glorify God's name. I want to make much of King Jesus. That's what I want above everything else. And when we do that, we're going to find everlasting satisfaction. That's where that song comes from. Bless the Lord of oh my soul. Oh, my soul, you know? Worship his holy name. Sing like never before, oh my soul, I'll worship your holy name. That's the calling. That's the calling today, is that we would worship God above all else, that we would see him as great and powerful, and that we'd love him supremely. Let's stand together.